Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 114 of The Yacking Show, the show for awakening you to new perspectives for the changing world we're living in, and it's certainly changing as we speak. If you like our show, please subscribe to the channel you're watching or listening to it on, because the more subscribers, the more exposure we get for our guests, and it's all good for them. And of course, you won't miss the next exciting episode either. We always have interesting guests for you. Today is no exception, but it's not my job to introduce our guest. First, let me welcome co-host Kathleen Beauvais in Waterloo. Hi, Kathleen. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you. And thank you all so much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And as Peter mentioned, uh, we do have another special guest with us today. And I'm really excited to hear about her, her company. Welcome, Christy Pettit. Hello, Christy. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. And thank you, Kathleen and Peter, so much for inviting me to come on the show. Really excited. Now, you are the CEO of Pollinate Networks, Inc. It's a company that connects people with knowledge and resources. Can you tell our audience a little bit about your background and um, what Pollinate is all about? How does it work? Absolutely. I, there's nothing I love to talk about more. I like to pollinate all of the knowledge about pollinate for sure. Um, in terms of my own background, I've always had a real interest in how do we get people together to get important things done. And I was an executive in training development companies, worked at a hospital as the head of learning and organizational development. But that one sort of constant question in my mind was how do we best get people together to get things done? Learning is important. Yes, we want to learn, but how do we actually take it through to get things done? And that, that impulse or that drive in me really got amplified when a book was published about, gosh, it's probably 20 years ago now, called The Ingenuity Gap by a guy named Tomer Ho Thomas Homer Dixon. And it talked about how we, and I'm, I'm, it's a long book and I'm making a very short uh, narrative. So it talked about many things, but one of the things it talked about that really impacted me is we just aren't getting smart enough fast enough to solve some of these problems we have. And now 20 years later, these problems are on our doorstep more than they ever have been before. So economy, mental health, uh, ecology, all of these issues. So when we started pollinate, we started to think about what are the things that we do when we bring people together that really do enable them to get things done, that it isn't, it, it can be really important to get people together to make memories or to have com community. But when we take it the next step, step further of actually locking into an action plan and seeing something manifest itself in the real world, what happens there? So that's been the, the journey of pollinate for the last, we've been in business since 2008. And we've had many different um, iterations of ourselves. We have been definitely going through the, the life cycle of being an egg and then being in our cocoon and then popping out and, and then morphing and, and molting and becoming something else. So we really focus on three things now as pollinate. One is putting people together and mentoring pairs. When Back when I was a training company executive, I did a lot of measurement. I'm kind of obsessed with measuring things and are we getting things done are we learning things are people having that good experience and mentoring was one of those things that was such a high yield in terms of when people got together and it worked so matching people together and mentoring pairs 
putting people together in groups strategically to get things done. So putting teams together, forming and reforming teams. And I know we'll get talking about this a few questions down the road, but in today's environment, being really thoughtful about how people connect is really important, really, really important. And then the latest thing that we've been doing, taking our tools and doing is working with not just people, but organizations. So in the course of an entrepreneur's journey or an entrepreneurial ventures journey, how do we put people together in a way that helps a business move forward, not just the individuals themselves, but the business as well. So mentoring teams, and then we call that last thing that we do ecosystems, because it's often not just inside a company. It might be a company, but there might be other supportive companies around or organizations around. So starting to do some matchmaking and wayfinding in those. So that's what I've been up to at Pollinate. Wow. You, you've sort of touched on what I'm going to ask you now, but is most of your work within specific organizations or connecting organizations and these peripheral organizations? Where, where's the majority of your work done? Peter, if you'd asked me that question three years ago, it would have been almost entirely within organizations. Mm -hmm. Over the last three years, and this has been through requests from our clients and the market sort of pushing us in this direction. We're now matching people across big networks. So we have Nature Canada, which is a fabulous organization we work with. 30,000 strong in Canada protect, protecting conservation. They have a mentoring program with us that has many companies in it. Um, we work with the Dairy Farmers of Ontario to support oh, okay. new dairy entrepreneurs. There are many companies now involved in that. So we still do have organizations where we're doing um, mentor matching or teaming just within that organization. And that organizations can be their own ecosystems too, definitely. Course, so yeah. we do do that inside, but it's also now it's gotten out of the, the boundaries of the organization on me, Peter. And we're, we're all over the place matching people together in different businesses for sure. That must be quite exciting, quite interesting doing that. It's really exciting and interesting. Uh, it's, it's absolutely such a thrill every day to know that um, two things. One is you get to meet so many interesting people doing interesting things. And then second of all, it's so meaningful when you bring somebody to, when you bring people together who have been looking for each other and who need each other, boy, is it ever gratifying to see this, the things that can get done um, when that happens. So I'm trying good. to get a, a clear picture of, of exactly how it works. So if you're taking, say, um, the, the dairy farmers, and you've got or, several organizations within that industry, so you're taking individuals that might need help in a specific area, and you're matching it with people that might have that expertise, they then turn, come together, and they, sh they share knowledge. Is, is that, in a nutshell, what Kathleen, I want to put you on the sales team. That was perfect. That's exactly what's going on. So yes, exactly right. Obviously, there's some data gathering, and that's part of our tool. So we have a platform that supports all of this. And the first thing that would happen if you were in one of our programs is we would give you what we call an intake process. And the intake process enables us to do what we call our cross-pollinating AI or our smart matching so I'm going to find out about you. I'm going to, if it happens to be about your business as well, I'd find out about your business. Um, if you're within an organization, I might be finding out things about 
your journey in that organization. I want to become the next purchasing director. I want to learn something about the industry. I'm brand new, or I really want to connect with someone in another division so I can really learn about what they do. So I'm going to find out, first of all, we're going to find out what it is that you want to find out. And then we are, we have a stocked pond of mentors. So we either work with the organization we're working with, or we use our own methods to go out and make sure that we have then those, those mentors, those experts that you could get matched with. To use your example for a second, Kathleen, if you were with a program like the Dairy Farmers of Ontario, um, and you were an entrepreneur coming in to get mentored on how, how do I get my food business to market, you might actually cycle through a couple of mentoring relationships. We might start you with someone who's going to help you understand when I say, you know, market research, what do I mean? What does that look like? How does that work? Um, we may put you together with someone else who's done a, who's in a non-competitive part of the province or part of the country, but can give you advice on how to start your on-farm operation or whatever that looks like. So it is a it is an introductory service for sure, with then some supportive pieces that help us make sure that those those go well and stay well as we as they go. Mm -hmm. So you've already touched on this, Christy, about um, because your website talks about an assessment and measurement center. So is it through this intake form that you get you assess an individual that is or is there a little bit more to it? I'm I'm assuming that there's a lot of interviewing. There's there's something more intensive. Well, it depends on the program for sure, how intensive the intaking gets. But we do have something in there that is we would call our secret sauce, which is a psychometric tool. Mm -hmm. Um, And that really helps us to understand how we might collaborate together. It's really a collaboration style index. So one thing would be understanding, you know, if we think about the three of us as a learning team, some of us may have preferences to learn one way, some another, or we may take information in differently. If we can calibrate that to start with, it really helps us as a team go further faster. So that's one of the things that's in the assessment center. And then to your point, Kathleen, the other thing that we do is we do tailor the intakes um, so that they're very, very relevant to the initiative that we're doing and the organization we're working with. So that's the piece that's very tailored. Sometimes we might do um, some qualitative data gathering, talking to people back and forth. But part of the great thing about the, the platform that we've developed over the last 10 years is it is scalable, meaning we can get a good basic bit of information in and then start matching people. Some of the, the organizations we're working with have you know a thousand people they're putting together um, in different mentoring pairs. So when we have that kind of a situation, needless to say, we don't have the bandwidth to go to each person and say, speak into the microphone, Peter, what is it that you were wanting? But we try to do a really good job of figuring out what to ask them and to help them do a little bit of pre-measurement on their competencies to say, this is really a good place for me to focus. And then because we can't get a hold of each and every one of them individually, they get a meet your match report that's going to explain them, okay, Peter, Here's you, here's Kathleen, here's Christy. This is how we would work together. So that's a big part of what's in the assessment center is that ability to let people know no matter what our task is, how are we likely to approach it and how can we optimize, not to use a horrible consulting speak word, but how do we optimize our ability to collaborate together? 
How can we do that? That's a big piece of what's behind the pollinate magic. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So <clears throat> I was going to ask you more, but you've covered mentoring really well. Uh, here's one. I, I know dairy farmer quite well, and I'm amazed how much work he does himself and one, one person working for him and occasionally one or two others. When I first left school, I worked for my dad on a dairy farm and we had uh, probably 20 times the manpower to do the same jobs that this guy does. So I'm leading up to a question. Do you also help, for instance, using the dairy farmer into dairy industry, Ontario or Canadian dairy farmers adapt to new technology that may be coming from elsewhere or new systems? That's a great question. And, and the, the system can be used that way for sure. One of the things that we've seen, a lot, of, a lot of what happens in a program like the Dairy Farmers of Ontario is we're filling in a gap that may have emerged or, or we know has emerged in the market around getting people really good information, inspiration and help to de-risk that startup. And so definitely along the way, the experts that we bring to the table would be able to help them fill in gaps around, hey, there's new technology out here that we need to be, be paying attention to. But in terms of what you're saying, Peter, that I, I'm excited about is we also use cross-pollinating to get messages out just exactly like what you're talking about. And I can okay. think of two examples. One is the Center for... Um, Rehabil uh, workplace rehabilitation, so mm -hmm. CCRW. They have um, a conference every year. They had new tech that they wanted to get out to people. They wanted to communicate specific messages to the group. So they trained a few of them and then put them together in groups so that they could work together pre a conference. Um, so everybody had somebody they could work with. Similarly, we might, you know, get a message across to an organization. We're actually really excited to be working with the manufacturing cluster in Canada right now and, and across Ontario. And part of that work is really understanding what AI is out there to be had and are there people without it who could use it? Mm -hmm. And if so, how do we get them together? So that would be, to your point, it may be less inherent in an in a entrepreneurial support program, although it does come up. But there are specific programs out there that are starting to come up that are very much about getting that latest technology into more and more hands. Great. Good to hear. Good to hear. So, Christy, you speak of knowledge transfer as opposed to training. Can you elaborate? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it's a great question. And it is one that is kind of the question of my life in terms of, I come from a learning and organizational development background, which has meant a ton of training. And I completely agree that sometimes training is the way to go, meaning training as we think of it now, now having been through lots of training, you get people together in a group, there's somebody who's an expert who's gonna tell us how to, how to conduct ourselves moving forward. But I think of that as one of many tools in the arsenal. So that one tool or that, that training where we all get together and we see the same thing and hear the same thing, that's one tool in the arsenal. I would say knowledge transfer can happen that way. Although there's lots of people who would tell you there's things like the forgetting curve and different things that happen that make it hard for people to really keep that training knowledge in their minds unless they're using it right away. So we know that training has its benefits and it has its limitations. It's great to be all together in a group because we can hear what other people are saying and we can, you know, hear from an expert and so on. 
But the knowledge transfer process as we've researched it out and we understand it has some aspect of knowledge coming from somewhere to me for sure. But we know that unless I use it, unless I get my hands on it, unless I get my brain on it and I'm working with it in some conceptual fashion, I'm not going to keep a hold of it. So when we think about knowledge transfer, I want to see knowledge that you are doing something with. It means you are transferring it into practice. So we go beyond just, I heard it and maybe some stuck and some left. And we go into what is it we're actually doing. And this is a different, a little bit of a difference, not to get um, too academic or philosophical. But we talk about tacit versus, versus explicit knowledge. Explicit knowledge is great for training because written down somewhere, right? It's written down. You can get your hands on it. You can make a presentation out of it. That's wonderful. Tacit knowledge is that knowledge that, you know, maybe an engineer has at the nuclear power plant that goes, hmm, that's a weird noise. I know the machine's running in spec, but that's a weird noise. We only, if we only have one engineer who knows that, we're not winning. We need to, that's the kind of heard, seen, felt, experienced knowledge that we want to develop. Right. Isn't, I got to pick up on that one, isn't that the beauty of the apprenticeship system, which is unfortunately not as used now as much as it used to be, but uh, youngsters spent time in college to learn and get trained, and they spent time on the job with an experienced journeyman, and they picked up the, it doesn't sound quite right, or, um, you know, they won't teach you this in the college, but if a nut doesn't come off at the first time, then heat it with a heat lamp or whatever. Um, wasn't that a good example of using both of the things you're talking about it is and if i could get people if, if I, I would love to say that uh or i'd love to see our platform our work continue to morph into old time apprenticeships and i i honestly think peter in some cases is kind of what's happening is if we're putting mm -hmm. someone together you know a young we have a program for young women in conservation they have projects that they're doing that are really needy and mean a lot to them. And they've got some mentors looking over their shoulder and say, whoa, don't step in that hole. Don't, don't go down that path. Maybe try this or brainstorming. I do look at it as a bit of a virtual, a virtual apprenticeship, if mm -hmm. you will, or internship. And I, I'm really supportive of that idea. I feel like, number one, a lot of us learn that way um, in terms of our learning style. But the other thing is, again, we have more and more options for how we get the explicit stuff. Yes. It's great if you have a fantastic facilitator, but hey, you can read it 10 different ways online a lot of the time now. What we That's need right. is the hands-on guidance. Yeah, yeah. You have a, a tool in your toolkit and your arsenal called your, is it KTI assessment? Yeah. Tell, tell our audience a bit about that. I'm so glad you asked because I could talk a long time about that. Kathleen's going to have to get the hook and get me to stop at some point. I'll, I'll watch you, Kathleen, for when I should stop. But that's the, the psychometric piece to the platform I just glanced on earlier that really helps us understand across an index. So it's a little different than a style assessment. There's lots of good style assessments out there that say, you know, I like people, I like facts, I like different things, or, you know, I'm going to, I'm a real driver, or I like to hang back and wait to see what happens. Those are all really great tools. If you use them properly, they're all shortcuts. They're shortcuts that tell us how we can get along faster and how we can use words that are not offensive to say, 
hey, Kathleen, you know, you seem kind of driving today. How's that going for you? Um, so, you know, really trying to get get some some neutral language. And our tool does that, but our tool does something else. And that's this. When we started the, the business um, back in 2008, we had the good fortune to work fairly quickly with a, a group of about 200 mentors and mentees. So 200 pairs. And we were, I had a theory that some of them were going to do better than others. And I had 12 different things that I thought would make a difference. Well, just like most theories, it's always sad when your, your beautiful hypothesis gets slayed by an ugly fact. Um, and it did. And it turned out that really only seven of them made any difference to the, to the relationship that the mentor and mentee had and their ability to carry through from just exchanging ideas to getting some things done in the life of the mentee. So that became the knowledge transfer index. And I do have constant uh, pressure from our marketing team to come up with a sassier name, and they're probably not wrong, but it is what we've been calling it all this time or a good bit of this time, and it's been tested a few times. But what we're able to do is we're actually able to predict how well a team or group is going to collaborate, all other things being equal. So we got all kinds of, you know, um, history together. I can't do much about that, but on the face of it, we can see that some groups are going to do, do, do be able to do more than others because they have to spend less time getting on the same page. Ah, okay. Right. So if you and I are drastically different, we're going to have lots of great conversations about, Hey, I do it this way. And you'll go, well, no, I wouldn't do it that way. I'd do it the other way. Those are fine conversations to have if that's what we're trying to learn. If you're trying to teach me how to get my PN, my professional engineering certificate, or to become a better salesperson, it's not a great way for us to spend our time trying to just understand each other. We want to get into content. So the KTI provides a bit of a disaster check for us. We can see in the KTI, oh boy, don't put those guys, those two together for whatever reason. We do like to have lots of flex and lots of different mentoring pairings can work, but we really do want to balance something out. And, and, you know, we learned this actually from some of the dating sites, early days, we studied dating sites. Um, some people have teased me that we have um, eHarmony for executives and we kind of do. It is a very similar process of really balancing out similarities and differences. Right. Do we have enough similarity to make it interesting, compelling to get on the same page differently and enough differences that it keeps it interesting? Interesting. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I yeah, have very good. this question because because of the times that we're living. But how has COVID affected the organization that you work with? Ooh, boy, oh, boy, that might be another whole podcast, folks. I'll tell you, I'm. We're in it, we're in it and we're seeing it. And here's what I'm seeing. Um, I think number one, it's more important than ever. And this is a little bit of a sales pitch for pollinate. It is more important than ever to be thoughtful about the groupings you put people in. Because we're now sort of, some organizations are still even a year later because it's all seemed very temporary. I think it wasn't till the fall where we went, hey, this might be more than just a temporary thing. We may not be going back to what we had before. Lots of organizations are struggling how to balance things out where, you know, you'd had sort of a normal cadence of meetings that people went to. Now, sometimes people are in meetings that don't really relate to them, but we're not sure how else to keep them involved. Um, so we have this 
awkward uh, awkwardness that organizations are at different phases of working their way through. Some people feel drastically overworked. Some people feel kind of extraneous because they're not in the thick of things anymore. And maybe their job had a physical component to it that either isn't getting done right now or is very ancillary to what others are thinking about. We also see um, there, there have been some hiccups for a lot of organizations around productivity. So we see the CEOs, the, the people who are, who are responsible for making sure that the organization is sustainable and continues on and has, you know, has good productivity, looking for more, looking for um, more innovation, more ways to sort of move forward. And the people who are most key or are working along are kind of full because I don't know if you folks have noticed, but we've done our own little study and found out that, wow, it takes about 50% more time to manage people exclusively on Zoom. It takes a lot more time. Some stuff gets done quicker. Now, it may not get done as well, but it gets done quicker just because you can't only stand to be on Zoom so long. But there is a whole piece of this whereby people are not getting necessarily the direction they need, but managers are doing their level best. A lot of the managers I know, senior managers who are responsible for teams are, because it takes longer to manage people by Zoom, they're already on Zoom nine hours a day. And then when the CEO turns around and goes, hey, we've got this great new way we're going to bust down the productivity wall or figure out some new way to be in this new economy, those key people are really tapped. Those key people are really tapped. So part of what we're looking to do is help organizations create some more capacity in the face of this, because it is very easy for people to get all their capacity used up just chasing people around on Zoom or figuring out who's doing what. We see a lot of um, CEOs doing what I would call high-frequency audits. So want, trying to understand what's going on by asking for more and more reports. So I would say we're in the thick of learning to be in the new. And what the new is going to look like is probably more like what we used to call a results-only workplace or a results-based workplace where I don't know where you are all the time now, Kathleen, because you're not in the office. So, and I can only spend so much time chasing you around. Now we got to get really focused on what do we need people to accomplish and what skills do they have to do it? Mm -hmm. Right. Interesting. I, I walk with someone who works for, who's a manager in a fairly large corporation and now her and all her department are working from home. And she was telling me exactly what you've been saying. She spends so much time trying to make sure her team are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And she also says about half of the team are doing what she would expect. The other half have to be constantly chased. So, yeah. Some people point. are really good at working virtually and some aren't mm -hmm. too, right? Some people are, it's natural and it's kind of what they've been doing. Some people are finding it really disorienting and, you know, I'm really lucky because I don't have little kids at home to worry about if they're doing their sure. French lessons whilst <laughs> I'm trying to, to do business on the phone. So everybody's got a really different set of circumstances they're dealing sure. with as well. Mm. Mm. I, I'd like to ask you a question that we ask all of our guests who are involved in business one way or the other. You've had a lot of experience in, in different disciplines, different types of organizations, and of course, exposure to a huge number of, of clients that the average person doesn't have. So in your experience, what's the single biggest characteristic that differentiates those who become successful to those who remain average? Is there one key factor, do you think? Hmm. 
You know, I'm going to answer this. I, I ask is I, I'm going to answer this with my stock question, Peter, because mm-hmm. I also have a stock question I ask everywhere I go. And I think it's kind of the same thing, which is it's maybe less at the individual level and more at the organizational level. But I ask every chief executive officer, chief human re- resources officer, everybody I encounter, you know, what's the one thing that still really is the biggest problem in this organization, if we could fix it, things would get better. And I would say it's probably the same answer for individuals. To a person, everyone that I've asked has said, talking directly to each other, having direct communication, um, having the ability to deal with conflict, mm-hmm. um, which is one of the reasons why we're so excited about these mentoring relationships, because they're, they're little relationship opportunities that aren't your boss, not your best friend, it's yeah. someone you can really practice having that open, honest discussion with. But it's interesting to hear our executives say that so many things get built in organizations to avoid just telling people the truth. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, very good. Very good. Out of time, but uh, so I'm going to ask you how people can contact you. But if we're an organization and we think that we could benefit from from your programs, what is the first step? Is it just picking up the phone and calling you? And Absolutely. You can pick up the phone and call us. Um, Cindy Collins is our, our uh, person who you probably get on the phone. She's our director of client delivery and make sure that anybody who's interested gets a chance to, to have a demo or jump in. We have a, um, a sample group online that you can just see. So what are the tools? What does the KTI look like? what would a mentor matching report look like? So you can actually get in there and given that we're hands-on, we want to make sure you get a chance to get hands-on as quick as possible, but absolutely go to our website, give us a call, drop us an email. We're online more than, more than not. So we're always ready. And what is the website? It's www.pollinate.net. .net. Got it. We will put that there for our audience. Uh, very interesting. And I'm sure lots of people <clears throat> would benefit from talking to you. Well, it's a wonderful opportunity to talk to both of you. I'm so glad we got introduced. And I really, really appreciate the time and the conversation. Well, it's, excellent. it's been a delight. Thank you so much for uh, joining us today, Christy. And thank you all for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So once again, please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. Until next time, bye-bye, everyone. Bye.